God will often use the rock bottom to get our attention. What will it take for you to get right with God? So many times God is, has to take a person to the bottom before they'll turn back to God. You don't have to get to the bottom. God calls you into the cords of love right now. But isn't it interesting how many times God will have to take someone to the very bottom before they finally cry out and come back to him. You don't have to go, but you will. And God will take you there if necessary. God doesn't take any joy, I don't think, in doing that. There are better ways to be right with the Lord, man. <laughs> there are better ways in our lives, less painful. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Think back to a time in your life when you were living life according to your will and by your own resources. You had turned your back on God and tried it your own way and then failed miserably. David, a man after God's own heart, went down that path for 16 months before he finally turned back to God. But the Lord didn't give up on him and was waiting patiently and faithfully for his wayward child to return. We get the details in 1 Samuel 30, and that's where we join Pastor Ed Taylor now for this encouraging edition of Abounding Grace. Everybody was just, just tore up over their loss. But mark this, David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Sometimes that's all you can do. And it's really all you should do. Strengthen himself in the Lord is God. It doesn't say he did anything else. He didn't call his friends. He didn't send a mass email. He didn't post all his woes on Facebook. He didn't send out a text. He didn't go to church. You see a turning point in David's life here. Everything's going to change with this attitude. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. He turned. He turned to God in a very deep, dark time in his life, and God met him there. It's not that God ever left, and it's not like God dis, dis left and descended at that, at that point, but there was something that was connected here. You know what you could say here? You know what this really looks like? We're not going to get into it in depth, but would you turn over to Luke chapter 15? You could say of David right now, the prodigal has come home. You're praying for a prodigal right now? Let David encourage you because David came home. That was the right thing to do. The prodigal came home. Yes, finally. Finally, he came home to the father. And in Luke chapter 15... For the sake of time, we aren't able to go through it verse by verse. But this is probably one of the most popular teachings of Jesus, the prodigal son. In the beginning, from verse 11 on, it talks about the prodigal son in his rebellion, wanting his inheritance. He's going to go, and, and he's going to go spend it all. And, and it says 
In verse 13, he wasted his possessions there with prodigal or wasteful living. That's what the word prodigal means, wasteful. But when he had spent all, there arose, verse 14, a famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Again, if you like to write in your Bibles next to verse 16, just write bottom, because that's where he's at. David hitting rock bottom was coming back from a compromising season of years in his life. It was years, you'll recall, as we go through the time, timetable. He comes back and to find that, you know, everything's been fine, every other compromise. But this time, the Amalekites have come and wiped out the city and taken all the families captive, and they want to kill him. He's hit rock bottom. For this kid, he's lost everything. And, you know, he bought his friends for a while. But he found out really when, when things got tough, he found out who his friends really were. And it wasn't any of the ones that was spending his money. It wasn't anyone that was partying with him. It wasn't anyone that was, oh, yeah, yeah, you're the best, man. You're the best. How much money you got left? You know, you're the best. You know, I need some. It wasn't any of them. They all abandoned him. He was left with the citizen of the country and pigs. That's where he was left. And there's just that time we need to pray in someone's life. It's a hard prayer, but we need to. Whatever it takes, Lord. Whatever it takes. You know, we're praying for someone in, some, someone in our life who just know that we need to, they need to get rock bottom. That's the only solution. The Holy Spirit just needs to bring them to the place, to the end of themselves. And so what a dangerous prayer. But a lot of times we don't want to pray that prayer because we love that person so much. But we need to learn how to trust the Lord that he'll do whatever it takes because he loves that person more than you and I do. You think of the depth of love that you and I have and you're like, wait a minute, God loves them far more. His love is much more supreme than yours and mine. And the only love that we really exercise is the love that he put us in us anyway. But we got to pray, man, whatever it takes. But how about this? What about this prayer? Lord, whatever it takes in my life, for me to get right with you. That's a powerful one. No, Ed, I think I'll pray the first one. <laughs> I think I have a few people I love, but for me, whatever it takes in my life, whatever you want to do in my life, Lord, that's often a prayer that needs to be prayed for our lives, us personally. You know, we sing songs, and, and sometimes they're hard to sing, man. We sing songs that, that are very biblically accurate, but they're very hard to sing. And I jotted down on my notes the song that we sing that says, break me, mold me, shape me. I say, no me. No, I don't want to be broken. I don't want to be molded. I don't want to be shaped. Or do I? I mean, if I'm honest, which you would expect me to be, right? You be honest with me. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. There's long stretches where I do, and there's long stretches where I don't really want to be broken. I don't even think, there's stretches in my life where I think, I don't even think I can be broken anymore than I already am. And yet at the same time, my heart is, but Lord, I belong to you, so whatever you want. I wonder what you say in your prayers. That's a hard, you know, that, can you imagine if God dealt with us like he did with Ananias and Sapphira in the early church? where they just did a little quick lie to the apostles and then, pew. how about if God dealt with us when we were singing songs? How about this? I surrender all. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> it's like, whoa. 
All right. Got to do some more evangelism. Yeah, as if Ed's going to be here still, you know. We're all gone. I mean, at times, if we were in your head, you'd be saying, I surrender all, accept, 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 accept. You know, and Ian's moving on, but we're, I mean, that's a hard song to sing. Break me and mold me and shape me. That's a hard song to sing. But it's needed. I'm glad we sing them. I'm glad we sing the scriptures. That they come out of our lips. Do we really want to be broken? Do we really want to be molded? I mean, you think of this young man. He finally came to the end of himself. And it says... When it says in verse 17, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? I'm going to arise and go back to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and, and before you. And, and I, I don't, you know, I, to me, I would read it this way if I paraphrased it. How many of my dad's hired servants? Verse 17. I'm going to go home and say, Dad, I've sinned. No longer worthy to call you, be called your son. Just make me, I mean, i just be one of your, I'll just take a job. I get it. I know what I did. I'll take a job. You know, there's a word for that that's called humility and repentance. That's what that's called right there. He didn't come back and try to bargain or broker or make excuses. And he didn't try to minimize it. He didn't try, well, I didn't, well, hey, man, dad. I, I'll be okay if you don't, even, you don't even take me back, but I had to come back and try. I was so wrong. I was so wrong. You can conceptualize that in your own mind of what David's doing when he encourages himself in the Lord. Don't think for a moment that when you and I encourage ourselves in the Lord that it doesn't involve repentance. It doesn't involve brokenness. It doesn't involve surrender. It definitely will not and should not involve excuses. It should not involve, well, you know what she did. It should not involve any of that. It's like, Lord, I'll, I'll take, man, I will, I'll work for you. I know I had all the blessed benefits of being your son, but I'll work for you. And it says in verse 20, he arose and came back to his dad. But notice when he was still a far way off, his dad saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Let me just jot these down. We're running out of time, um, but it's okay. Let me just jot these down and we'll wind down. Eight times in the Bible, you might want to get your pins ready, the, the phrase, I have sinned, is used. At least I've found eight times. Let me give them to you and let's compare four against four. You ready? So I have sinned appears eight times. First of all, I have sinned, said Pharaoh, Exodus chapter 9, verse 27. I have sinned, said Balaam, Numbers chapter 22, verse 34. I have sinned, said Saul, 1 Samuel 15, verse 24. I have sinned, said Judas, Matthew chapter 27, verse 4. Each acknowledged their sin, but none of them repented from it. So it's one thing to say, I've sinned, okay? I've sinned, okay? But you haven't changed. There's no change. So therefore, those are empty words. How about these four occurrences? I have sinned, said Job. Job chapter 7, verse 20. I have sinned, said David. 2 Samuel chapter 12, 
verse 13. I have sinned, said Achan, Joshua chapter 7, verse 20, but a little too late. Wow. I think he meant it. And yet at the same time, he still got the consequences. I have sinned is the the eighth time where here the prodigal says it. You see, you can have the words, but understand repentance leads to action. Action away from a previous behavior. You see, if you don't change your previous behavior, then you really don't think it was sin. It's like, yeah, well, I've sinned, but you're doing the same thing, so you really don't think you've sinned. Because if you're doing the same thing and you think you've sinned, then you're just going back and sinning again. Does that make sense? I mean, it doesn't make sense, but did I make sense? Like, like you look at it, you go, well, I've sinned. I know, but you're, you're doing the same thing. You haven't made it right. You're not even going over and above, recognizing your sin against God and your sin against man. David, when he encouraged himself in the Lord, where he's the prodigal coming home, he's turning back to God. He's come to the bottom. It's the prodigal coming to his senses. You know, it's interesting how many times... How that so many times God has to take a person to the bottom before they'll turn back to God. You don't have to get to the bottom. God calls you into the cords of love right now. But isn't it interesting how many times God will have to take someone to the very bottom before they finally cry out and come back to him. You don't have to go, but you will. And God will take you there if necessary. God doesn't take any joy, I don't think, in doing that. There are better ways to be right with the Lord, man. (laughs) There are better ways in our lives, less painful. He would much rather be sensitive. He would much rather be compassionate. He would much rather just lead with his voice or send a friend into your life. He, He would much rather receive you in a moment. I mean, in Psalm 32, verse 8, it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I'll guide you with my eye. Don't be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding, but they have to be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. I don't know about you, but I'm not real encouraged to be compared to a donkey. You know, a sheep description is not very kind of us, but it's way better than being called a donkey or any variation thereof. The picture of the mule is what? Stubbornness, resistance, rebellion. Hey, listen, just because you have a few people around you encouraging you in it doesn't make it right. Yeah, but my friend said, and I trust them, and they they said everything. No, 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 no. God says, I just want to instruct you. I want to lead you. If you don't, I'll take you to the bottom. If you don't, it'll go. You'll, you'll end up there. Whether the consequences of your sin will get you there or God or God will use both. He'll intervene and he'll, I mean, David is there. It's so important that God does lead us. He loves us so much that he'll use painful processes if necessary. With David, God used painful process. He came back and found out his wife had been stolen, his wives, his goods have been ripped off, his kids are gone and his men are ready to kill him. For a guy who's already had so much trouble, it's, oh, he pushed them over the edge. David encouraged himself in the Lord, though. He began to turn to God once again. And this, of course, is the beginning of David coming out of his backslidden season. 
So unfortunately, he'll go back again like a dog to his vomit. But he's coming out this time, and for that, we're grateful. David encouraged himself or strengthened himself in the Lord, friends. That's where it starts. This is what we need to do to get back on track and to get back all that's been ripped off by the enemy. David couldn't depend upon his men. They were angry with him. There was no one to pat him on the back and say, oh, it's going to be okay. Don't worry about it, David. There was no one to wipe away his tears. But that's the way it usually is. I don't think it's important for you to wait for a pastor to come or for a friend to show up or for a neighbor to drop by when you're depressed and then to be upset with them when they don't. You need to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord, that God is there ready to receive you. He's ready to minister to you if you'll just turn to him. Even when men fail, God does not fail. And even when men don't show up, God is already there. And even when the phone doesn't ring, God can speak to you, believer, from the inside. Be careful, would you? Learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. David knew what he had to do. Everything looked so grim in his life, but he chose to encourage himself in the Lord. And he chose to encourage himself in the Lord again. And he chose to put himself on that path. You see, I can be depressed, and I can be discouraged, and I can be despairing continually with the circumstances in my life. Or I can say, why are you like this, soul? I can speak to my own soul and tell him, just from the Psalms, hope in God, trust him, give praise to him, sing to him, give thanks to him. And if you don't like your voice, get in the shower and start singing, man. You sound really good in the shower. Start singing unto the Lord. Crack open your Bible and read it. Don't be a Bible student. Don't argue with God. Just open up the Psalms and go, oh man, David, you felt like I did. But then... God's rescued you. You know, David, I just opened up right here. I just flipped the pages. Don't suggest you do that because you never know what you're going to open up to. But here you go. It says, I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path and the way in which I should walk. They have secretly set a snare for me. But look on my right hand and see, there's no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. Man, like, is that describing now the section of Scripture we're in, Psalm 142? It's actually not. It's another time in David's life. It says a prayer when he was in the cave. I mean, the brother dealt with it. But that's not the end of the psalm because it says in verse 5, I cried out to, the Lord, to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround, the righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. How do you want to end? That's where I want to end. I'm getting my eyes on the Lord, my mind fixed on him. The Bible says to keep my eyes firmly fixed on him, the author and finisher of our faith, my faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. I want to keep my eyes on him. I want to learn how to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares me. Romans 12, Hebrews 12. I want to learn how, man, yeah, the first part of the psalm comes to all of us. 
But I can't say that the second part of the psalm comes to everyone. Because you've got to learn how to cry out to the Lord. You've got to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Find refuge in the, in the Lord. I know man might have abandoned you. Especially in trials. The, the difficulty about trials is that you're going through whatever you're going through and then you have to come to the realization of the trial was testing everyone around you too and you find out who your friends are. That's even more. You're like, whoa, wait a minute, man, Lord. And then it's just, you can get in this mode where now you're just going to get in the mode of looking at everything that's not encouraging when no, 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 no. I, here, open your Bibles. Let's end here. Psalm 142. We're going to read this together. We're going to read verses 5, 6, and 7 together. We're going to read it out loud. For the sake of you guys on the radio, um, listen, especially if in your car driving. Don't open your app. Don't try to read it. We're just going to, and maybe you're watching on television or on, online right now. Let's read it together. Just read it like you're here, because that's why you're here. That's why we do technology. It's like you were here. Maybe you're sick or you're not able to be here, or you're in Mexico. Sayulita, we prayed for you guys. You guys ready? We all, we're going to get on the same pace. And I'm going to back out a little bit just so you can hear the room. Uh, so you'll have to keep up even if I'm quiet, okay? So Psalm 142, verse 5 says, I cried out to you, O Lord, refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors. For they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. Okay, we're going to read that last line together, and very loud, with great emphasis, because that's a truth and a promise. You can hold on to it. So, the righteous shall surround me, for deal. You're listening to Abounding Grace with Ed Taylor and part of our series in 1 Samuel. Hear this message again online at calvaryaurora.org. Just search for David Encouraged Himself in the Lord. Request a CD copy for $2. We can be reached toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. I'll repeat that number in just a moment. Another way to take in a steady dose of God's Word is through the Calvary Aurora app and the Grace FM Colorado app. Download those today. They are free. Ed, in today's message, we observed a prodigal coming home and getting back on track. I can't help but think there's someone listening that knows of a prodigal or two, maybe a son or daughter. Would you pray with them that they too would come home to Jesus? Larry, I'd be honored to pray for the prodigals and those that are waiting for them. So Father, we lift up to you those that have walked away from you, uh, those men and women boys and girls, who've chosen a prodigal life or, or a wasteful life. They've turned their back on your love and your mercy and your grace for a season of taking things into their own hands, good Lord. And we ask that you would bring them to the end of themselves. And as hard as it is to pray, we pray that you would do whatever it takes to bring them to a place of surrender and submission. And for those waiting, for the moms, the dads, the husbands, the wives, the friends that are waiting, would you encourage them? 
as they continue to live their life and yet a part of them is aching and hurting and worried and anxious, God. Would you be their comfort? You're the God of all comfort and let that be manifest in their lives. And so, God, we look forward to the testimonies of prodigals returning and families being reunited and so many getting back on track with all that you have in store for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Ed. And friend, we have a book that ties in quite nicely to all of this. It's called The Calvary Road by Roy Hessian. Maybe if you were honest with yourself, you're not where you should be spiritually. Like David, you're backsliding. This book will help you experience revival and get back on track. And we'll send it your way for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Call 877-30-GRACE. We appreciate the generosity of our listeners. It helps us provide the teaching of God's Word on stations all across the nation. Thank you for standing with us. Call 877-30-GRACE or visit calvaryaurora.org. And then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from the book of 1 Samuel. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Chapel, Aurora.